Right, so hello and welcome to the podcast Invest in You. And my name is Fredrik Sarval, and our special guest for today is Niraj Kapoor. Welcome to the podcast. Frederick, thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Invest in You. Thank you. Perfect. We have similar experiences. That's why I like to talk a little bit about sales, but we will not make this like any other podcast. So we will not ask like, well, who are you? What have you done? If you really like to find out, and the reason why he's on the show is because he's done lots of good things, mainly last few years in the sales space. So tell us something that people don't know about yourself, Niraj. Something people don't know about me yeah, is uh, yeah. during lockdown, I had to completely turn my business around. So before lockdown, I was a sales trainer. Yeah. Um, when lockdown happened, all my clients either went on furlough or lost their jobs. And all of a sudden, I had no income, which was terrifying. So I started doing paid-for masterclasses. All my competition were doing free ones and boasting yeah. about how many members. They had, oh, I had 500 people. I had six. I don't care. I had eight people turn up <laughs> for my first. It was terrible, but it was paid for. And exactly. clients kept asking me about LinkedIn. How do we use LinkedIn? And I thought, okay, I've got to learn this. So I, you know, I got coached by LinkedIn coaches. I went on LinkedIn courses. I read LinkedIn books. And within the first six months, most of my revenue all of a sudden went from sales training yeah. to LinkedIn. It was never part of the plan. But when circumstances happen that are kind of scary, you have to react well to it. And luckily, it worked out very well for me. Yeah, perfect. Now, it's funny you said LinkedIn training. I trained LinkedIn more than 10 years ago. And at the time, it was wow. about helping the, the salespeople just yes, to get on the platform, number one. Number two, to get like 500 connections uh, and then start to talk about themselves. And yeah, times have evolved since. Uh, My goodness, we, they we, really have evolved since found, then, yeah. We found each other uh, on, on LinkedIn, actually. Even if we are roughly been in the same space, I have not come across you until someone in my network recommended your work. And here we are. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, for the people who are listening to this and not watching uh, Niraj's video, you have a quite full back sh bookshelf behind you. Uh, what One book, why do you like it from your shelf behind? What could that be? Mm. All five of those books are brilliant. Personally, I'm a big fan of virtual selling. Unfortunately, yeah. it matches my shirts, so it's probably quite camouflage. <laughs> I'll tell you why this is important. So many people have no idea how to sell over Zoom. You know, they turn up to work with a shirt wearing tracksuit bottoms and or pajama bottoms, which doesn't work. It just doesn't. Uh, so many people, when I do training sessions in the morning, look like they've just woken up five minutes beforehand. Yeah. And you've got to treat virtual meetings exactly how you would a business meeting face-to-face. -face. You get changed properly. You get showered. You get ready. You prepare. And that's what virtual selling teaches you. It's about, you know, it's just like going on a face-to-face -face meeting. You have to prepare and be ready. A lot of people work at home because they think it's easy and they think they can save money on traveling. I understand the saving money on traveling yeah. part, of course. And for a lot of people that's spending more time with their kids, which being a parent, I totally understand. But it doesn't mean you should be lazy in terms of how you present online. And so many people are. And virtual selling really teaches people how to do that properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something that people didn't know about you, how you completely have pivoted. Uh, something that people really know about you. What, what are you famous for? What, how would people think, oh, Niroshi is the tagline? On a business level, people would say they know me as a coach who leads from the heart. 
yeah. and who gets results for clients. Not we can't say that about many coaches. There's, you know, LinkedIn doesn't need more coaches. It really doesn't. There's too many coaches on LinkedIn already. And most often became coaches because they lost their jobs or because they thought it was easy. Um, you know, and I see this all the time. I see people with less than one year's experience calling themselves expert coaches and award-winning coaches. I'm looking at the profile thinking, you've only been in business for a year. How are you an expert exactly? You know, and things like that. And yeah, I leave from the heart and that makes me different. But most people find me not through my work, believe it or not, but through the personal posts I do. So I have grown my LinkedIn profile from 5,000 people to 18,000 people in a year. Yep. And that's very fast growth. And a lot of the consistent growth, of course, has been from my business posts. But the, the really big growth has been because I've talk, talked about vulnerability and the difficulty of being single in your late 40s, the difficulty of finding a partner and how online dating is like business. And so I've talked a lot about my dating experiences and how that relates to business. And believe it or not, that is where people tend to find me because the six, I've had six posts go viral in six months. Yep, yep. And all those posts, sorry, five of those posts were all to do with dating. And one was about parenthood. Yeah. So there you go. The, the one I have read is actually how you met your, I hope, spouse, uh, Rachel, yes. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a, a good read. And also, I have been married forever. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have completely missed the whole dating scene online. Uh, I have been dating for business online for many, many years, quite successfully. But how is it to actually trying to find someone online let's t- put it in, in like a sales context you're you're about to to meet someone so you make this transferable uh, private social versus selling and bring the best out of it some learnings that people can take away uh, the best learnings are again look at the person's profile you know, oh. I'm always amazed that's <laughs> true though you, 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 no. you want to do business with anybody you have to yeah. look at their website or their LinkedIn profile. Both is preferable, but not everybody has a good LinkedIn profile. You've got to look at the website. Same goes when you want to meet somebody. You have to look at their profile and see what their interests are and see what you have in common so you know what to talk about. And the exact same thing goes in business. Always be prepared. Yep. Uh, second of all, don't ask for the meeting too quickly. Uh, majority of people who contact me straight away go into the cell you know, I actually had a meeting, an email this morning from somebody who just talked nonstop about themselves and said, what time would you like to meet today? I'm like, seriously? <laughs> you just emailed me this morning at 11 o'clock yeah. and now you're asking for time in my diary today. It just shows a complete lack of knowledge and understanding of how business works. And in dating, women have told me they like the fact I didn't just rush in to try and meet them straight away. I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to see how we connected. I wanted to build trust. And then we had a meeting. So there, there's so many similarities between dating and sales. Yep. Um, it's incredible. And the third link and the final thing is when you meet, I don't talk about myself nonstop. I ask questions because I'm interested in the other person and what they have to say. And I listen. I don't interrupt and talk about myself nonstop. I actually listen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can completely relate to that. And also in terms of business meetings, it's exactly the same thing. It's so hard when you're in sales, for example, or you have something that you're really passionate about to force yourself not to talk about it. Uh, I sometimes run a little exercise in, in the sales training context, which is about 
task for one minute, talk about something that you're passionate about. And guess what people do with that minute? You know, <laughs> they talk about themselves. <laughs> they talk about their passion for one minute and they, they could have started like, oh, I like horses. Have you ever ridden? Mm-hmm. Boom, they might have. Uh, so they talk for their passion for a minute. And then as a follow-up question, I very often ask like, so how many questions did you ask? And yeah, very few ask questions at all. And the people who did, they had the best conversation, obviously. So another sales training exercise from your world might be from LinkedIn space. What could that be? Sorry to put you on your spot. No, no, it's fine. One thing I love doing, because if you look at the questions I got asked the most in my business, people approach me often saying, I don't know what to write about on LinkedIn. So what I say to them is, okay, what are the biggest challenges you're having right now? And if you're a business owner, a lot of the time it's running a business. A lot of the time it's getting clients to pay you on time. A lot of the times it's managing staff and stress. And I say, okay, there you go. There's three posts <laughs> all of a sudden. Now tell me the biggest challenges your clients are facing. And they tell me, and I say, there you go. There are some more posts. Uh, now tell me about your personal life. And that's where things get very interesting. Yeah. Because men are pretty easy at talking about their personal lives. But a lot of women are very protective of their kids and say, I am not going to talk about my kids. My personal life is my personal life. And this is LinkedIn is not Facebook. And I say, that's absolutely fine. I respect your wishes. I would never ask you to talk about your personal life if you didn't want to. However, you've hired me to get you results, and I'm sharing strategies and proven techniques that work in business. Personal posts work. They just do. You don't want your deepest, darkest details, but I know for a fact, for example, on Father's Day this year, all my friends who posted pictures of their kids saying, this is my why, those posted so well. And they got so many followers and so much branding and so much awareness. I know Christmas, people who did unique posts, like everybody's with their families this Christmas, but some of us are not. Some of us are alone. Some of us don't have anybody. So please bear that in mind. You know, people talking about personal challenges and struggles I've had, other people get that. And they relate to it. And that's why personal posts are important. So I spend a lot of time talking about how to create content for clients because most often don't know how to do it. And so that's something we, we talk about a lot. Yeah. And just to, to take the, the phone and hit record for a second makes a massive difference because especially for people who never tried it before, the first one will be bad. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I did the first video post just. Uh, the other day for a while and yeah trust me i was rusty and also trying to manage the dog at the same time not a smart move but guess what (laughs) i have a dog i have a life i was outdoors and that's okay all of it yeah right um so you've been on lots of podcasts Uh, can you recall a good question that you might have got that you really liked and enjoyed to speak about a lot of the questions I get asked on podcasts are very similar, which is why when you asked me to be in your podcast, I said, please don't ask me the same things everybody else asks, which is, <laughs> you know, what do I do for a living? And, you know, just you can ask the same questions over and over again. Tell me about yourself. Yep. You know, I, I've, I've done this about 170, 180 times. I can't do it anymore. You know, So I always appreciate unique questions. Um, I think somebody said to me, if you weren't in LinkedIn, if you weren't a LinkedIn trainer, or what would you be? I think that's a fantastic question to ask me. Um, 
And my answer, I believe, I had to actually think about it. And I would say I would do two things. I'd probably be a full-time author, yeah. and I'd also be a field rock star, <laughs> because that's what I would do. If I could do uh, anything uh, in the world, I'd exactly take drums full-time and write music. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and th the next question is very much based upon my lack of knowledge of you personally. Uh, and it's more around my curiosity about where people might be from. So I've been yeah. traveling a lot, and I've been living in lots of countries. So therefore, I would like to know which country do your parents live in? Well, my parents came from India, um, yes. and I was stuff. born and grew up in Belfast in Northern yep. Ireland. Uh, lived here 18 years, and then uh, left at 19, moved to London, yeah. and, and worked there my entire life in sales. And then I came back about 15 months ago. Um, after I got divorced, I was struggling with life. And unfortunately, I was in a lot of pain. And I lost my two best friends. And then I had four months of lockdown. So I didn't cope well in those circumstances. My parents said, look, rent your house out in England, come back home, yeah. and just stay with us until you get better. And it took me six months to heal, which is a long time. And then six months to regrow myself, my business, and my life. And since October 2021, my life has been amazing. I'm incredibly grateful for everything I have. I could never have done it if yeah. I didn't have the opportunity. There's no way I would have made it if I hadn't come back home. I, I just, you know, so in life, you have to be very grateful for any of these lucky opportunities that come your way. Because uh, at my age, a lot of people, sadly, don't have fathers left. And a lot of them don't have mothers either. You know, yeah. so I'm very grateful. Frederick, yeah. very lucky yeah. to have had that second chance in life, you know? Yeah, no, I see see what you mean. I actually lived in England for the last 15, 16, 17 years, so, sorry, years. And uh, I, for various reasons, jumped into a car uh, about December before the latest lockdown in London. I thought, I, I jumped, I missed the first lockdown. I was pleased about it. Let's miss the second lockdown as well. And I did. So since December last, actually 2020, I haven't been in my own flat in London. And uh, I'm in wow. Sweden right I'm in Sweden right now, and I'm super mm -hmm. pleased about it. But again, you can have the, exactly the same situation. You can look upon it differently. So you can say like, okay, the lockdown is a prison. Or you can say the lockdown, or the, no, not lockdown, the COVID can also be an opportunity. People will pay yeah. a fortune to have and spend time in their home or elsewhere, out of work for like four weeks in a year. We're prepared to work mm -hmm. for a year to have a month off. And now many have had the chance to be, um, for example, furloughed and, and at home and to re-explore themselves. But if you put on the, the, the blame and feel pity hat, then that is exactly what it will turn into. So have you got any friends who got a fantastic COVID uh, transition as well, like yourself? I know a lot of people. Uh, who have done different things. Some have built great funnels online. Yep. Others have gone on to write books online. Yep. But most people I know were, were sort of spending the first year just trying to survive. And yeah. I, I kind of get that. Um, but a lot of my friends were smart enough to have savings to back them up. Most of them had several months savings to fall back on, or at least a partner with a sensible job. So yep. most people who I know who are coaches have a partner with a steady income. <laughs> you know? And that, that's very important. I don't yeah, have that luxury or I didn't until very recently. So for me, I had no choice. I had to make things work. There was no backup plan for me. My parents are retired. I can't live off them. I had no partner. My daughter was in her final year at university. I had to make things work. And sometimes in life, when your back's against the wall, 
and you have no choice and I got no government handouts. You yeah. just, even though it's a horrible situation, it's a very important situation because you have to make things work. And I'm so glad. And it was only when, when times are really tough sometimes that you really find out who you really are yeah. and you really learn great things. And even though I didn't like going through all that, in fact, I often resented going through it. I'm so glad I did because I became a better person, a kinder person, and I'm way more successful person as a result of going through all that struggle. Yeah, yeah. Now, personally, I also have had a tough time having multiple businesses and the COVID at the same time. And and uh, more than a couple of people wanted to have their investment money back. And I yeah. tried to explain that is not really possible right now due to the, the current situation. Uh, people and things and property are not as liquid as before. So yeah, I've also faced some tough decisions and consequences as as part of this. But like yourself, uh, I, I really look forward to what's next and to find new ways to do old things or or brand new things as well. So I can absolutely relate. And also, I'm, I've been fortunate to have a wife who has been working throughout, partly from home, partly from somewhere else, as a teacher. Yeah. government jobs have uh, been uh, uh, quite useful to have for many people to have a salary uh, throughout <laughs> this very strange period. All right, so let's let's park the whole COVID uh, for later because this is evergreen. You never know. There might be a post-COVID time. So <laughs> let's uh, focus on what, what will you do once things are back to normal, the new normal, which will never be a new normal. One thing I started doing uh, a few months ago, yeah. I started traveling. Uh, to London uh, or to England every month. And what I do is I'll spend a day with my clients doing one-to-one coaching or group training. But then I spend two days visiting LinkedIn connections. And that has been lovely because LinkedIn isn't just a platform to do business. It's a wonderful platform to build your tribe and strengthen your support network. And 2021 for me was the most successful year of my business because of my network, because number of recommendations I get from my clients to their clients, or even my friends to their clients. And that's key. And sometimes I would travel two hours. uh, Sometimes I would travel three hours. One day I travel five hours just to see a LinkedIn connection. That's incredible. Not many people do that. And those relationships I built in 2021 were priceless. And in 2022, I'm doing the same again. So end of January, end of this month, I'm flying off to England. I'll be seeing my daughter for a bit of time. I'm off to a charity event. I'm doing training for one day. I'm going to spend one day just seeing my LinkedIn connections. And that's so important. I don't know many people that do that. And it surprises me. Make the effort, get in the plane, get in the bus, get in the train and go see people face to face. Um, It's one of the best things you can do to strengthen relationships. And business is relationships. And people move. And relationships are more online. So actually, just to check online, I'm flying to Singapore. Who do I know who is in Singapore right now, who I'd like to meet? Or why not post? I'm going to (laughs) Singapore. Uh, Who would like to grab a drink? And guess what? You do get replies. And you get to meet people that you haven't seen for years, or you might never have met them in real life. And uh, I often do the same. Uh, And using LinkedIn to think about who would I like to meet out now when I'm going to Shanghai anyway. Uh, Because like yourself, I I have used my work for traveling a lot. And my latest business trip before lockdown was via Shanghai to do some work also in uh, uh, Australia. And to have clients that far away face-to-face is something I do miss and a luxury 
uh, I look forward to when things become slightly different again. So yeah, good, good, good. So when you're not working too hard or spending time online or meeting strange people like me, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do then? Um, I do a number of things. Um, you know, Northern Ireland's a country I grew up in, but it's a country, I, it's such a small country and yet there's so much of it I haven't seen. And so every Saturday now I go sightseeing I started doing this recently and I'm loving it. So I'm, I'm discovering different parts of the beautiful Irish coast. It's so green. It's so beautiful. Uh, last week I went to Derry at the weekend. Never been to Derry. Fantastic city. Great to walk around. Um, I play drums in a rock band. Um, yeah. that, that's pure pleasure. I, I, I love 70s and 80s rock music more than anything. It gives me great joy in my life. And being a drummer is a wonderful way to play in a band and, and learn in a band. And again, yeah. Surround yourself with good people, build a tribe, learn. You see a lot of similarities in my work here, surrounding yourself with good people, learning, growing, yeah. developing. Um, and probably the final thing would be my charity work. Um, it's more remote, my charity work now, but I give 10% of everything I earn each month. Uh, the Egyptians call it tithing. And that's a nice thing to do because it makes the world a better place. But a year ago, I thought, you know what? Giving money is great, but I want to do more than just give money. I actually want to get involved in these charities. So some of them now I advise on, I consult on for free. So at least I'm giving my advice and I feel like my opinion is being valued. And that's really a nice thing to do as well. Yeah, no, I feel the same in terms of giving. Time is very often more valuable than, than money, but some really do need the money as well. And yeah. uh, I've come across an organization called B1G1. I've been working with a lot. and. Uh, I like them because they focus not on how much money you give, but how much or how many impacts you do. So oh, brilliant. very much impact driven and something people just like us, small entrepreneurs, medium-sized entrepreneurs, putting a part of their turnover or profits aside. And I like that idea because day one, you might make one pound and then it's a hundred, then it's a thousand. Well, when will you start to give? Well, from day one, if you can, because then you create the habit. Otherwise, you can always push the boundary. Well, then, when I'm a millionaire, when I'm a billionaire or whatever, then I, will start to, <laughs> then I will start to give. Yeah, that's one approach. Uh, and maybe your money is working harder to build a business so you can give more later. But that's a consideration for all entrepreneurs and people everywhere to have a discussion with themselves. Well, you're asking me loads of great questions. I want to ask you a question. Go I know you wrote a book about trusting the new currency. Yep. What was that experience like? Uh, somewhat painful. <laughs> somewhat, <laughs> no, it, very, very, very rewarding to be going introvert and, and to discuss a topic such as trust. It's very little written about. There's a lot about how you can break trust. It's very little how you can build trust. We focus on the positive side, like how can you build trust, not how to repair, not how to destroy, not the negative side. And I say we, that was the hard part by co-authoring a book and taking every sentence into consideration multiple times and discuss and turn every single word. My co-author is, of course, a native speaker, and I'm not. And, and that, uh, together with our very different, diverse backgrounds, was very rewarding, but at times also yeah, frustrating because I'm more like, okay, let, let's do this quick, and then the next project. And she wanted to get it right. And, and uh, yeah, that was uh, a relationship to manage. I really like the book. It's called Trust is New Currency. Uh, trust is nothing new, but the role of trust and even online trust like on LinkedIn, like you already referred to, the relationships, that's trust. To do a transaction mm -hmm. on Zoom 
does trust. Uh, and the fundamentals for building that, it has never really changed, but we're just reiterating what, what can be useful. And also how we can build trust to build your team. And my passion is also to build businesses and investments. So of course the, the book is also about that. So yeah, hope that is helping explaining a bit. Yes, well done. I know how difficult it is writing a book. I've written two yeah. and I'm working my third one right now. People don't realize how tough it is writing a book because most people who write books have jobs already. So yeah. the, yeah. the writing yeah, yeah, yeah. of the book is something you do <laughs> early in the morning, late at night, at the weekend, sacrificing family time, sacrificing, you know, it's yeah. so difficult and it takes so long and you do not get rich writing a book. No. Unless you sell a million copies, you do not get rich writing a book. So it's such hard work. Um, I always respect people who not only write a book, but do a good book because that's yeah. very difficult to do. Yeah. And then there's also a difference between best writing and best selling books two different things so we, we focus on trying to make a best selling book and we really were selling when we focused on it but then as soon as you drop the ball and you don't focus on selling your book guess what happens like everything in sales goes cold uh, uh which you can pick up obviously again and again but the purpose for writing the book for us was more about internal work and then using the book as almost like an extended uh, not cv but uh, a business card, in a way, because it talks about you uh, and some of your learnings. And I also really respect people who take the time to write a book, because ultimately, you might have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of experience, and now you have to distill it into a couple of sentences. That's hard thinking. I, I, <laughs> I, I applaud all people who actually get to the publishing stage, and, and I encourage people who are on their way there, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So any other questions you might have about anything at all? I was very interested in your book, um, but I certainly had a, a situation. I'll be writing about it very soon on LinkedIn that I wanted to share with anybody listening. You know, as entrepreneurs and as business owners, we all want to grow our businesses. A lot of the times we're chasing new business. And I always say to people, that's a very important thing to do. Prospecting is vital. At the same time, do not forget about your current clients because yeah. they're the most important thing you have. I see a lot of people chasing new business, but they forget about their existing clients. Your existing clients are the most important people you have because they're the ones who not only you can grow with, yeah. you can upsell to them, you can cross-sell to them. They can recommend you to their clients. You know, this is so important in business. And the second thing is make sure you go back to your former clients as well. So last week I went back to my former clients because last Friday afternoon, I kept the afternoon free and I had nothing to do. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what do I do? How do I keep myself busy? Yeah. Uh, because coaching for me in January and February is super busy, but the first week of January is always a bit quiet. And so I literally contacted all my former clients I've worked with in the last 12 months. And I asked them what their goals were for this year. I asked them what they wanted to achieve and ask them, how can I help support you? Not how can I coach you or will you work with me? Yeah. But how can I support you? Quite a few of them said, look, I'm really busy. Quite a few of them said, can you send me a Zoom out? So we have meetings booked this week. Yeah. And one person said, you know what? It's been a few months since we've spoken. I'm ready to start now. So I want some new business. So you never know what's going to happen. Make sure you're keeping in touch with former clients, not just through email automation. That's not good enough. You've got to pick up the phone and you've got to talk to people. Stop relying on email automation. Most people can't write emails anyway, so stop relying on email automation. The human yeah. contact over the phone and Zoom is still, and face-to-face -face is still the best way of doing things. Yeah, 
And now when you have your phone there anyway, if you're still way too shy to do anything, if you click on the LinkedIn app, you can actually send oh, yes, a, a voice message. It's so, so, so simple, but most Fantastic. people don't do it. And, and if you do, you actually stand out because you, you dare to do it. You said, hello, I'm Frederick. Uh, I very much like to speak with you. Feel free to send me a message. Well, something you just mentioned there, which is very important. I often get asked, what is the most important thing on LinkedIn? Optimizing your profile, you know, commenting in posts, uh, writing content, being consistent, all of which is very important, of course, all of it. But one thing people don't talk about enough is standing out. And, you know, LinkedIn voice notes, and especially LinkedIn videos, which I use a lot of for prospecting, it's one of the best ways to stand out. And most people don't stand out. Look at all these coaches. They're so boring. They share Oprah Winfrey quotes and, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk quotes. And coach you've seen a thousand times instead of sharing original ideas, you know. And don't just do what everybody else does. In fact, Sam Walton, who created Walmart, once said, whatever you see everybody else doing, make sure you always go in the opposite direction. And that's what I do. And it takes a bit of confidence to do that, of course. And it takes time to do that. And I started doing this about a year ago. And that's why my last year has been so successful. Because I see what my competition do, and I go in completely the opposite direction to what they do. Completely opposite direction. And that's important. Yeah, just to take another example of adjusting to reality. When I thought about, okay, what will I do in January to give like value? So I thought about, okay, I take one idea from every single book in my bookshelf and then just spin it and, and give something to to the community. And uh, on the back of that, I had some kind of like engaging questions so they can think and, and, and relate to it. And uh, even though some of the questions were really good to use like a poll, but then when I saw like, here come 1st of January, 2021, uh, there were polls and things all over the place. I was re- not really like, I will not do that. I will scrap that idea uh, and, yeah. and do something differently. But again, we all all do things differently, but pay attention to whatever else is doing and try not to just copy and paste. It's not so yeah, rewarding, I would say. All right. So uh, have you been to any place in India you would recommend people going to from wherever they might be in the world? I've been living in Kashmir for a half year, for example. That was amazing. How did you find Kashmir? Uh, I found it good. Uh, it was a very rough time, but uh, I, I took the the chance and liberty to travel around despite all recommendations, and I, <laughs> I I'm really happy I did. Uh, I did, uh, but also I had the the luck by also wearing a uniform and having the hospitality of the Indian army to back me if ever needed. So yeah, slightly different than most tourists. Well, I certainly recommend everybody goes to the Taj Mahal. Yeah. Um, I've been three times, and every time I've gone, even my third time I was there, I knew what to expect. But you're still overwhelmed by the sheer majesty and the sheer beauty of it and the history of it. And I, I find going there quite incredible. And, of course, going to Jaipur and visiting a lot of the temples and just eating a lot of the food, because the food in India is very different the food you get in Indian restaurants. <laughs> in England, yes. very different. Yes. In yes. India, it's got much more flavor. Uh, it's much more real. It's much cheaper, but it just tastes so much better. And that's one thing I really miss because for 21 years, I went to India to be with my in-laws, who I, 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 I they don't speak to me anymore because of the divorce, um, but I do miss them a lot. They were lovely people. And my God, just sitting around and enjoying good food and conversation is something I really, 
miss so much. My daughter's actually there at the moment on a holiday, having a lovely time because they're great people. And But yeah, the food there is magnificent. But yeah, Jaipur definitely to visit for a few days and Agra for a day trip to go to the Taj Mahal. Don't just take selfies when you're there. Actually turn your phone off and just be present. And for the next hour to two hours, just be overwhelmed by how stunning and beautiful and relaxing a place it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's also coming from most Western countries to just travel to India will be quite overwhelming because there's so many people everywhere. Uh, not everywhere, but it's also very <laughs> rural areas. But uh, in many places, people will be surprised. And, uh, and yes, take it. Take what it is. It is a different country. And I can also recommend going to India as well. And uh, also, I had this conversation with a couple of Indian businessmen the other day. Uh, I really see uh, the economy for India as strong and forthcoming, mainly because of the demographics. You still got so many young people who are entering to life, work life, uh, as well as uh, yeah, joining the middle class, which is ever growing there too. So, what else should we talk about? Uh, it's snow in Sweden. What's the weather like in Belfast? Uh, it's like it always is, darling. Cold and wet. Cold and wet. <laughs> cold and grey. I'd like to ask you, because one thing I love doing when I speak to like-minded people, Frederick, is ask them, you know, what are the best books you've read? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't mean fiction books. I mean non-fiction books, whether it's business or personal development or sales or LinkedIn. So yeah. what would you say are the books you've read that have really helped you the most? I'll think for a second on that one. I have had the question so many times as well, just like you. I'm thinking what it could be. Uh, I just pick one title from someone who's in sales. Uh, and I'll not recommend the book. I'll just pick on the title as such. And uh, it's someone you probably have known. It's, it's quite infamous in the space. I've been on stage after him. Uh, it's called sell or be sold to. Sell or be sold to. What does that mean? Basically, you're either selling something in a meeting or you're being sold to in a meeting. And if you just think about that for a second and think about some of your latest meetings, if you haven't been trying to sell something, it's quite common that people have been trying to sell something to you. And now going back to our inbox on LinkedIn, uh, it's just, yeah, sometimes sad to see how direct people are without the relationship trying to jump straight into uh, business. One reason why I try to schedule this meeting with you as soon as possible is I just know how busy things will be. That's why I try to get this in as soon as possible. Uh, and often when I try to book a time with a busy person, you might be in sales and listen to this. And, and you might think, well, in the next two days would be great. Next week would be okay. Two weeks be acceptable. Three weeks, my boss wouldn't even care anymore. But guess what? That's why you don't <laughs> like. I know that you're probably really busy, Naraj. I was not thinking about next week, uh, not even the week after that. I was thinking maybe like two, three months out from that. Do you think you might have time for a coffee? Like very it's few, very few CEOs have booked all coffees three months out. I have met people who've been scheduled for more than a half year out. But if you take that approach of not pushing, that means you can have more interactions in between. And that coffee is still booked. And you can just say, well, I really look forward to it. And now when I'm saying this, I do really miss my jobs as a professional salesman. And that's another <laughs> title. If you're proud enough, if you're in sales, to say that you're actually a salesman, then you made some internal progress. What would be your sales tips from a, from a sales training point of view? 
Oh my goodness. Well, there's so many good yeah. sales books out there for a start. And month to month, it changes. I read over 200 sales books, yes. say, in the last eight years. And what one thing I find very profound is in the last year, I haven't read many sales books. What I've done is I've focused on business books. Right. I've focused on marketing. Um, I've learned a lot about psychology, uh, stress, emotional intelligence. And I find that by learning so much about those, it's helped me so much because sales is the basic stuff that most people don't understand. Yeah. And you have to understand when you start learning about copywriting and marketing and psychology and emotional intelligence and wow, and mindset, all of a sudden, everything starts to make sense to me now. Yeah. And there's so many great books. I mean, you know, uh, Tools of Titans by Tim yeah. Ferriss is outstanding yeah. because he interviews the world's top athletes, top sports stars, top entrepreneurs and says, okay, what's your morning routine? What food do you take? What books do you read? What supplements do you take? And it's just a fascinating insight. And what's nice is there's so many similarities. So, so many people, for example, do intermittent fasting for breakfast or just take black coffee, which is a very smart thing to do. I do intermittent fasting now. I've lost a lot of weight. I know you can't tell, but I've lost so much weight over the summer because I, I did a lot of intermittent fasting. Yep. Um, I now work out before breakfast, not later on in the day when I'm exhausted, but first thing in the morning. It gives me more energy. I read better books. I yes. think bigger. All these things come from reading really good books. And there's hundreds of books I can recommend. But Sorry. Tools of Titans, I looked at it very recently thinking, my God, this is such a good book. And it's <laughs> about 800 pages. And it's only £15, which is about, I don't know, 17, 18 euros. Yeah. It's nothing, you know. And what you're going to learn is going to be worth tens of thousands of euros, you know. Yeah, funny you said. I mean, there must be a like uh, a mental connection. Early this morning, I was correcting two books on my bo other bookshelf in the library here, uh, and Two of Titans and uh, uh, Total Recall by Alan Schwarzenegger. They were slightly out oh, of positions. So I, I, I just corrected the position slightly, uh, ever so little. But yeah, funny you would mention uh, Tim Ferriss as well. Yeah, great book, great book. Uh, and Tri Tribal Mentors is another one. If you're very much in like the coaching space, that's another. Hard and easy read. It's thick, so you can pick it up and just read like one story and then put it back or do many if you yeah, want. Yeah, I'm terrible. I, I, my books are just covered in this. Like anybody listening in, these are just highlighters I'm holding up and I just highlight stuff. And then once a year, I'll pick up a book I love and just kind of go through the highlighted sections same, same. just to remind myself, <laughs> you know, or days yeah. that have just been really tough. That's what I do and I read those and it inspires me. Yeah, I got a really inspiring businessman who lives just like a, literally a stone throw away in that direction, closest neighbor. And he is probably 25 years older than me, plus, yeah, ish. Uh, and he's done so many cool things in, in business. And right now he's doing yet another cool thing in business on a very senior level, uh, taking lots of energy companies to the stock exchange in Norway. But uh, mm -hmm. I gave him a book. Uh, which uh, I find quite fascinating. And it's called uh, Alchemists. Uh, ah, and, uh, is that Paulo Coelho? No, give me a second. It's, uh, it's Radcliffe. Just give me one second. Just get, so I don't say their name wrong. Just a second. Okay, no problem. So for the audience sake here, it is, uh, yeah, so it's by, yeah. Radcliffe is his name. He's actually one of the hidden gems in the UK. He's, he's got the biggest privately owned company and he's completely under the radar. Uh, yeah, Radcliffe, the alchemist. Okay. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Because it's basically how he and his schoolmate from graduate school, grammar school, 
uh, just started to accumulate undervalued assets, one after the other from British Petroleum for, for pennies on, on the pound. Uh, because many of them had like huge debt uh, on the pensions balance sheet. So basically the company couldn't survive, so they were about to die. Uh, and they picked up some of these fractions and then built the biggest chemical company in the UK. And I find stories like that really interesting to see how you can basically take an idea and, and mold it into reality. Uh, and thereby helping many, many thousands of people in the process. Thank you. I'll take note of that book and yeah. take a note of Celery Soul too. Uh, and of course, your book, Trust. I'm going to have to look those up and get those from Amazon. So thank you for that. I'll share another story about a strange meeting with another Indian man. Uh, we met on a dive boat in Holland. No, sorry, Thailand. Thailand. And uh, there we talked about lots of things. And I asked him, like, so what, what do you kind of do? The typical question. And he said, uh, and explain what he was doing and to put it into a, a framework. He was basically creating a whole city from nothing. And he had built schools, he had got textile fa factories, and basically from, from nothing. And he wasn't even 30, and he was employing, yeah, well over 100,000 people, uh, creating wow. a community, schools, and everything. And I found like, and he's not 30. Okay. <laughs> I've got nothing to flex against you, man. Nothing at all. Respect. Uh, and stories like that, interesting people, uh, that drives me to help more, just like yourself. So if I got two standard questions for our podcast. One is, what is the statement invest in you, meaning to yourself? Sorry, the question was, what is the... What, what does invest in you mean to you? One thing most people don't do is invest themselves properly. Business owners are a bit better at it, although they still tend to waste money on stupid things like university courses. Uh, so in the last year and a half, I've met so many people who've taken business degrees from universities. Yep. And the first two questions I said is, what do you learn about LinkedIn? And the yep. second thing is, what do you learn about sales? <laughs> and they tell me almost next to nothing. Exactly. And I'm like, congratulations, you just pissed your money down the toilet. I mean, really, so many people think, having a business degree from Henley or Cranfield, it means nothing. I promise you it means nothing. But people seem to think it means something. And I get very frustrated because I've spoken to these universities for years. And it's the only thing I've really failed at is trying to convince university professors who teach business. They've never run a business in their life, yet yeah. they teach business. I and I find that very frustrating because they don't take sales seriously. They make no effort trying to improve. All they do is take a salary. They make no effort to improve the business community. And that frustrates me. So look, stop doing university courses. Learn things that matter, which is sales, LinkedIn, psychology, copywriting, emotional intelligence. This will help you grow faster than anything you could possibly imagine. It really will. You know, I don't have an emotional intelligence course to sell you, okay? I am telling you this because it will help you succeed. Um, so that's what investing yourself means. It's becoming better and actually learning stuff that's useful, not learning stuff, again, that everybody else is doing. Learn to stand out and be different. Every successful person I know has a coach. This is my 28th year in sales. I still have a coach work with me, which is why I maintain a certain level of success. Yeah, yeah, here, here. Yeah, I don't need to add to that whatsoever. I'll just jump straight into the next one. What has been your favorite office so far? It can be or mean anything to you. Favorite office. 
What's been my favorite office, did you say? Yep. Do you mean the favorite office I've been into that my clients have been in or the favorite office I have had? It can mean anything to you. It can be anything. It could be a client side, could be your own, could it be the beach, the forest, I don't mind. Hmm. Nobody has ever asked me that question before, and I like that. I would say the office I have downstairs, and the reason it's my favorite office is because we have a massive window overlooking our back garden. And in the back garden, all you have is beautiful greenery, you have plum trees, you have a very tiny basketball court, you know, which I played basketball with my nephew. I started playing basketball recently, which is great fun. Um, so the fact that every day I look into that and I hear birds singing, the view is so beautiful and so relaxing. And behind me is a piano because I used to play the piano as a kid. So did my brother and sister. And so being able to just sit in that room inspires me so much and helps me achieve so much. I've been in offices where I have views of London. That's very nice yep. to look at. But being able to look into nature is way, way better. It really is. In that case, I'll share something with you, which might or might not work here. Uh... This uh, piano is from 1880, roughly. That's... Oh my God, that's amazing. That is so incredible. Hang on. It is not quite there. Not quite there. Wow, uh, tune that is gorgeous. Ago, but it's old, it's really hard. That is so beautiful. So on that, spoken about everything and, and so on, people who would love to, to engage with you, Niraj, where can people find you? LinkedIn, obviously. LinkedIn's the best place. Um, everybody yeah. works in sales.com is fantastic as well. Um, I give away a document, LinkedIn and sales tips for 2022. Just go to the website and download it. There's loads of extra stuff on there as well. Uh, enjoy reading it. But most importantly, don't just read it. Please take action. Because that's, that's the most important thing. I can tell you all day long. I can give you advice all day long. But you've got to take action. That, that is key. Uh, one tiny thing that everyone can do to their LinkedIn profile in less than one minute today. The first thing people see on LinkedIn is your banner. So don't have a blank banner. And don't cover your banner with your logo because nobody cares about your logo. People care about how you help them. So think about what you can put on your logo to tell people how you help them. And also bear in mind, 60% of people view LinkedIn on their mobile. So make sure whatever you put on there can be read on your mobile phone. Perfect. And with that said, Better to have more done than said. And thank you so much, Niroj, for coming to the Invest in You podcast. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate that. Thank you ever so much.